What's up, Everlast? How are we doing? Doing good? Good, good. That was a great response. Amen. Doing good. Turn towards your neighbor and say, I'm doing good. <laughs> Amen. Well, if you're new here, my name is Kevin. You can call me Kev. Uh, it's my nickname. Just my name shortened. It's not that complicated. Uh, I'm the young adult pastor here. If you're new, listen, we're so glad you came. Thanks for coming. Uh, I, I, met, uh, or I met Bryce. Where's Bryce? Is Bryce here? I met Bryce, dude. So I'm glad, so glad you're here, Bryce. Yeah, man, awesome. Y'all go meet Bryce. He spells it with a Y. That's the way to spell Bryce. I told him that. That's the way, bro. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're just so glad that, that you're here, uh, here, uh, here at Everlast. Thanks for coming. Um, God's been really moving in a really sweet way th this summer here at Everlast. This is our young adult ministry here at Calvary Worship Center. Uh, we seek to make, uh, to know Jesus and to make him known. Uh, that's our goal. So we, we pray that you feel loved and welcomed. Um, also, by the way, just if, if, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would really love to meet you. As well as our young adult coordinator, who, is to, who happens to be my wife, Tina. Along with our, that's right, she deserves a woo. Uh, and then uh, along with our, our Everlast leadership team and volunteer team, please, we would love to meet you. Let us know how we can serve you. Um, so checking out tonight, we continue in our series through the book of James. Y'all give it up for James. Amen. It's been great. Um, our first week, we went through James 1, where we talked about being a doer of God's word. Amen. God's word Y'all has to be something that we take action on. Um, it's, you know, it's how we exude the love of Jesus to the world. Um, the second week, we had a guest speaker come in, Pastor Shay Logan. He's one of our pastors here at Calvary Worship Center. Um, and he walked us through James chapter 2, um, talking about our faith being knitted with, with good works uh, for the glory of God. Our, uh, our third week, we went through... Uh, the first half of James chapter 3, we talked about taming our tongues. Y'all remember that night? And how our tongue can bring either death or life. Um, our word is our witness. Our tongue is our testimony. Uh, then that led us to our fourth week, which, you know, was last week, where my wife, uh, Tina, did, y'all, she did an excellent job of unpacking the second half of James chapter 3. Um, you know, where wisdom from God is directly linked to humility. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check out last week's message or any of our James series, please do so. It's on podcasts. You can check it out on Spotify or, or uh, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts. You know, it's up there. So please go check it out. Um, Y'all, God has been, uh, I mean, he has been using our study through James to both encourage and challenge us this summer. Uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. Y'all, James's writing is so practical and it's, it's packed full of very um, vivid exhortations, which is just simply strong urgings um, and encouragements for godly living. So with that being said, let's uh, grab your Bibles. Let's turn to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Um, it's not going to be on a screen. We're reading 12 verses, so be sure to turn there. Let's, we're going to read it together. Grab your phone, your Bible app, whatever, your actual Bible. <laughs> let's, uh, let's turn James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Here we go. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet 
and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your, on, on, on your passions. Verse 4. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world makes him, uh, I'm sorry. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourselves, therefore, I'm sorry, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Verse 11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Lastly, verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Everlast, we pray with me real quick one more time. Well, Father in heaven, we love you. And God, we're so thankful for how you've been speaking to us through James. We love your word, God. We love your word here at Everlast. We want to we know more. Not just to, the point, God, we don't just want to know your word just to, to gain more knowledge. We want to know your word to know you. Um, Father, I pray that as we continue in worship and we hear your word spoken, that you would do just that. You'd speak to us. Help us to be attentive and receptive to what you have for us, for what you have for us tonight, God. Everlast, I'm just going to give you a few moments just right there where you're at. Pray this. Say, God, I encourage you to pray this. Pray, pray, God, would you speak to me tonight? And now, Everlast, I encourage you, pray for the person on your left and right. It does not matter if you know, don't know them or know them. Uh, it's important that we, as a young adult ministry, we pray for each other. So pray this, God, would you speak to them tonight? And then lastly, I would just kindly ask that you would please pray for me, that God would use me to make things clear and, and helpful. Father, please speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this week in chapter 4, James is going to give us three things. Three things. Y'all write this down. This is not on the screen for you. So write it down. 
He's going to give us three things. One, problems. Two, provision. Three, prescription. One, problems. Two, provision. Three, prescription. Let me explain. Excuse me. James is first going to point out the problems in our spiritual life. I love that about James. I appreciate that he does not pull punches. I love that about his writing. Y'all, he, he gracefully yet boldly points out what's going on in our hearts. Things that we need to look out for. Um, signs that we need to pay attention to. Why? Well, to let us know that our spiritual life is slowly drifting off track. Then after the first thing, you know, to point out our problems, um, he's going to give us the second thing, God's provision. What God did uh, to do, uh, I'm sorry, what God did to solve our problem. And finally, the third thing he's going to point out is to give us the prescription. In other words, what are some things that we need to do to, pract uh, to uh, practically we need to do so that we can get our, uh, our personal spiritual lives back on track? Amen? So the first sign that we are drifting spiritually, uh, that shows that we're drifting spiritually, is whenever we have strife everlasting. When we have strife, arguments, fussing, fighting, uh, you know, and quarrels in our interpersonal relationships, especially in the church. Um, are any of you, uh, are any of y'all, are any of you the youngest, the young sibling of your family? Who's the young sibling? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Raise your hand. Yeah. If you're the young cub, give me, give me any other raise, uh, hand raise. If you're the uh, young, young cubs in the room, my hand's up too. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Give it a, give it a whoop. Well, I, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have many siblings, y'all. I don't have many. As a matter of fact, I only have one. Uh. Well, actually, quick story, you know, um, y'all have heard my testimony before. My mom, at 32 years old, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, she loved Jesus, y'all. Man, she loved Jesus. Um, and then she battled it for three years. August 30th, 95, she's, she was 35 years old. She transitioned to be with the Lord. God used that in my life to draw me close. I got saved. Uh, uh, years later, my dad remarried. I have, an, I have a lovely, the most sweetest stepmom in the world. Then I have a stepfamily, I have a stepbrother, stepsister. So I do have step-siblings, but I mean, I'm talking like as I, when I grew up, my actual sibling, like, you know, kind of blood sibling, right? Uh, biological sibling, for that matter. Uh, my sister, I have one. She's older than me by six years. Being six years, six years older than me, uh, you know, for a good while, y'all, she was bigger, badder, stronger. You know, I, I admit it. I mean, it's true. I remember she used to make me get her stuff out of, out of the fridge, go to the pantry. I was just her little minion. Just, you know, whatever she wanted, I'd get whatever she needed. I even remember her making me take off her toenail polish. And it was like in this, like, cup thing, and there was like this little foam piece, and you stick her toe in it, and it just was awful, man. Now that I think about it, y'all, she honestly, she had it, she had it, she had a good life. <laughs> she had a really good life. Here's the thing, though, y'all, if I didn't comply to her requests, it was bad news bears for me. 
one of my sister's favorite snacks was, um, was Cheez-Its and apple juice. Yeah, exactly. Now, separately, sure, but together, bad breath galore. You know, just, just awful breath. You can imagine it, right? Cheese, oh, sick. Nasty. One time, one time I remember not complying with, uh, with her request, and it, was, it, was, uh, it happened to be a day where Cheez-Its and apple juice was, uh, was consumed by her. Uh, she proceeded to pin me down on the ground. And just in my face as my punishment for not cleaning your toenail polish or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But I remember that moment. I'm, she pinned me down. My arms are down. Just, and I'm just like, no, stop. This, ah, you know. Um, but guess what, though? Her little brother grew up. Yeah, that's right. Kevy got stronger. Guess who no longer had a quarrel with his sister? This guy. No more. All jo- but all, seriously, all jokes aside, now I didn't, I never pinned my sister down and breathed in her face. I should. I, I will one day. She's 40 years old now. I'll get her. But all, all jokes aside, let's look back at our text. Notice what James says here in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Y'all, that's a good question. That's a good question. Why do we fight? Why do we fuss? Why are we so irritable? James is about to give us the answer, literally. He says in the second part of verse 1, y'all follow along. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Ding, 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 ding. You know, like, you know, that, y'all, that, he, he, that's right, that's it, that's the answer. That is the reason why we fuss, fight, and quarrel. Because he is saying that there's, there's something wrong. There's something going wrong on inside of us that's causing us to to take it out on other people Uh, what that something is what he said is our passions the word passions translate from the greek as a hedone which is where we get the english word hedonism the belief or practice of living only for pleasure you know the desire to be successful uh, or to excel that using our gifts and talents to experience fulfilling relationships, you know, to eat tasty food or drink, you know, to have rest and leisure time, uh, to actually enjoy life. Those are all good things, but y'all, they, they can't become God things. That is what the passion in our hearts are waging war for, to turn it into idolatry, to turn it into something that we worship at the feet of rather than the feet of Jesus. They wards, I'm sorry, they, 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 they wage war to find life not in Jesus, but within ourselves or in external stuff, which is clearly a one-way ticket to complete and utter emptiness. So James writes that the source for our struggle is within you, us, me. The conflict is within us. Is there any Rocky fans in the room? Yeah, I've been kind of hesitant with that. You can be, be a proud Rocky fan. <laughs> yeah, you're Adri. That's it. Amen. That's right. Well, I love the Rocky movies. Haven't seen them in a while, but I've seen all of them. Just have loved them. You know, I'm a fan of, uh, of boxing, love a fan of fighting and stuff like that. And one, one of the most recent installments of Rocky is the movie titled Creed, right? Creed. In this movie, it looks back and remembers uh, Rocky's old opponent, 
who actually became one of his best buds, Apollo Creed. Uh, Apollo was killed in the ring. He died in the ring, and it was in Rocky IV. Rest in peace, Apollo Creed. That was supposed to be funny. He's a fictional character. Um, <laughs> years later, y'all, uh, Rocky is no longer boxing. He's retired. But Creed's son, his name's Adonis, played by Michael B. Jordan. Whoop, you know. All the ladies are like, yeah. Um, y'all need to be turning your eyes on that. His shirt's off a lot. Uh, Adonis never knew Apollo. Don't, yeah, I, know, I know y'all are looking at Michael B. Jordan. Y'all need to repent. Adonis never knew Apollo. Y'all, he ne- Adonis never knew his father. He never knew him. He grew up anger. In, in anger, he grew up in rebellion. But boxing, you know, was in his blood. So he finds Rocky Balboa, finds him, and, uh, you know, his dad's old friend, former champ. He asked Rocky to train him. Now, there's no spoiler alert here needed, you know. I'm not going to ruin the movie for you, anything like that. But Rocky teaches him uh, about fighting and also about living. Um, at one point in their training, but again, not ruin anything, you can see this in the trailer, uh, should you see the trailer? Uh, Rocky takes young Creed. Uh, they're in, you know, Rocky agrees to, to train him. Takes Creed. Takes him. Uh, they're in the gym. Takes him and, and 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 tells him to look in the mirror. And there's Creed standing with his gloves laced and his dukes up and, and and looking at the mirror. And 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 Rocky says this. Now I thought about well, Rocky said this, and I thought about giving you my best Stallone impersonation right here, but. You'll just have to do that in your head. Rocky says, you see this guy here? No, I'm kidding. Uh, pointing to Creed, you know, you know, pointing Creed to Creed's reflection, Adonis' reflection in the mirror. He says, you see him? That's the toughest opponent you're going to face. Rocky then says, I believe that's true in the ring. And I believe that's true in life. Y'all, Rocky had it right. It's crazy how... How there's uh, so much battle within. Our own self-serving attitudes and desires. Our pleasures, are at, our pleasures, our passions are at war within. In chapter 1, James wrote that the source of our temptation and sin is, uh, is, is our own lust. That was chapter 1, verse 14. In, uh, in chapter 3, James wrote that disorder and evil conduct... Result from our own jealousy and selfish ambition. That's chapter 3, verse 16. We just studied through it. In the same way, when it comes to quarrels and fights, we need to take responsibility for our own hearts. Everlast, listen. Passion is good if it's God-focused. Y'all need to know that. Simple but very profound. Passion is good if it's God-focused. As soon as passion becomes self-focused, y'all, the devil's going to have a field day with your life. Field day. So whenever fighting and and fussing with people, don't, y'all, don't look at the other person. James is saying, hey, there's some sort of desire, there's something going on inside of you. And because of that, it's ultimately causing a quarrel ultimately within your heart that is expressed and it's taken out on the other person. Now notice, he also gives us another source from where these things happen and why we do this. Uh, he says here, let's go to verse 2, check it out. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. 
James is saying, oftentimes the reason we fight and quarrel with people is because there's unfulfilled desires within us. There's something going on in our lives that we desire. We sincerely, we sincerely uh, want, uh, but we just don't have, and we're jealous and envious of other people. This is causing an, an, you know, an irritability within us, and then we take it out on other people. He says that, he says that, that, that is oftentimes you know, why quarrels and fights are, are, are being caused, that are happening. Everlast, y'all, <laughs> this is why we need Jesus. We need Jesus. He's the only one who can satisfy. Y'all, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'll say it again here at Everlast. The more you enjoy Jesus, the more you don't enjoy sin. The more you enjoy Jesus, the more you don't enjoy sin. Think about it. Now, now we get to the, the we're getting to the, the next half. Verse 2 has the next half, the next half. You do not have because you do not ask. That's what James writes. Essentially what James is talking about here, y'all, is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. You know, we're, we're having a weak prayer life. We, we, we get to the point, you know, of our lives where we give up on prayer. We, we, you know, we, we tried it. Lord, it doesn't work. I'm not really feeling you, Lord. I'm not getting anything out of my prayers. And I don't have confidence that it's, it's going to work. Right? James is saying that this is a sign that we are drifting away from God. Let me ask you a question. Is your prayer life vibrant? Is your prayer life vibrant? Is it something that you look forward to doing? Is it something that you're doing consistently? Are you praying for just yourself? Or are you praying and interceding for others? I want to share a few hindrances to prayer to consider tonight. Here's a few hindrances to prayer. You can write this down. One, sin. Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20. Y'all listen close to this. Here's, it says this. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity or sin, in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Sin is in, sin, sin inhibits your prayers. I don't need to get that. If you're feeling disconnected, you know, I used to be addicted to things. I used to be a porn addict. I've been freed for, by God's grace, hallelujah, for six and a half years. And when I would get enthralled with that sin or whatever it may be, you name it, and I'm not praying, I'm sorry, and, and I'm not looking to God to, to satisfy my soul. My, it's crazy, like the distance, like I, I, I just physically, emotionally, spirit, I felt it. It's, it's not rocket science. I mean, this is what the psalmist said. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Sin is a hindrance to prayer. If there's sin in your life, is, is there sin in your life right now, Everlast, inhibiting your prayers? It's vitally important that we continually keep before God and ask God to uproot the tree 
of sin in our hearts. Or if you don't want to use the uprooting of trees for your illustration because you're too green and granola or whatever, you know, and that bothers you. Amen. Uh, you need to ask God, maybe this way, to be the masterful surgeon to cut the sin out at its very roots in your heart. The second hindrance to prayer is this, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the second hindrance to prayer. Mark eleven twenty four through 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. Are you holding on to resentment right now? Are you holding on to bitterness towards someone? It's a big deal. Have you genuinely repented of that and have extended the grace and forgiveness that Christ has freely and continuously given to you? It's important. It's a big hindrance to prayer. I, I don't want that for you. The third hindrance to prayer is this, lack of faith. James said back in chapter 1 that a double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from God. I'm going to read it real quick. Check it out. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. Who gives generously, generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in what? Faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person, I'm sorry, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Lack of faith is is a massive hindrance to prayer. The fourth hindrance to prayer is this, giving up. In Luke 18, uh, Jesus tells a parable about a widow that um, persistently kept asking over and over. Everlast, let me encourage you. Can, I, can y'all look at me real quick? Look at me real quick. Don't, don't give up. Don't, don't lose heart. The God of the universe is for you. Think about it. That's amazing. Don't give up. Ian Bounds has written many books on prayer, and I've I've quoted this here before, but I'm going to say it again. Listen, it's on the screen. Ian Bounds says this, Too often we get faint-hearted and quit praying at the very point where we ought to begin. We let go at the very point where we should most strongly hold on. Consequently, our prayers are weak because they are not impassioned by an unfailing and resistless will. We must not only pray, but we must pray again and again. Can someone say amen to that? The fifth hindrance to prayer. It's kind of a unique one, but it's marital strife. First Peter, it's not on the screen, but listen. First Peter 3, verse 7 says this. Likewise, husbands, 
uh, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. As you can see, this is a very specific thing towards something hindering our, our prayers, right? He's being very specific to husbands. If you're a husband in the room, or a soon-to-be husband, I need you to listen to me real close. God takes leading your wife very, very seriously. Let your loving leadership lead you to a hindrance-less prayer life. Amen? The sixth hindrance to prayer is this. Wrong motives. Wrong motives. This leads us to the next verse. This is, we're going to just move right along. Uh, James 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You can ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. Yeah, think about a kid asking, you know, their parent wrongly. Like, if I was, when I was a kid and I asked my dad, give me that. Is my dad going to give me that? No. <laughs> hey, dad, may I please have some more? You know, whatever that, what's that play? I forget it. Thank you. Um, you know, he's, he's probably more obliged to, 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 to give me it, right? If we're asking for things simply about what we want to get out of it and how it's going to benefit us, oftentimes, if not all the time, y'all, that is, that's selfish. That's selfish prayer, and it brings much hindrance to our prayer life. Another sign uh, that James gives us that is an indicator that you're drifting away from God is this. It's, it's, uh, it's worldliness. Worldliness. James 4, uh, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Y'all, when we're talking about worldliness, we're talking about pretty much, pretty much everything, right? Uh, uh, from the way we dress, the, uh, the language we use, um, the media that we consume, the media that we support, our beliefs. In other words, do we, do we believe what Christ says is good and true? Or are we believing what is just politically correct? Also, y'all, also, it's our behaviors. In other words, do we, do we look more like the world in terms of how we live our lives, or do we look like Jesus? I heard it once said like this, the essence of worldliness is the exclusion of God. The essence of worldliness is the exclusion of God. I love what Jerry Bridges says on this. Jerry Bridges actually wrote a good book. Me and my wife read it. Uh, together, it's called Trusting God. Jerry Bridges' book called Trusting God. Definitely encourage you all to check that out. But uh, this quote isn't from that book. That's just a book that we'd happen uh, to read at one point. But I love what Jerry Bridges says on this, worldliness. How then can we deal with our tendency toward worldliness? Is it not by determining that we will not be worldly? But by committing ourselves to becoming more godly. Y'all, praise God. Even though we have all these problems, there is, remember that, that, that last word, there's provision. 
There's provision. I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry. There's the, there's the second word. <laughs> Brings up our problems, and he mentions the provision that God has made for our problems. That's what James says, and that's what's found in verse 6. Next verse. Check it out. Ver, uh, James 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. More grace. Thank God. Amen? Can someone say hallelujah for that? Listen, so basically James is saying, you know what? Even though we have all these issues, we're so jacked up, and we don't pray, and we don't, I'm sorry, we, we don't pray, and we quarrel, and we fight, and, you know, we're not consistently living in the fruits of the Spirit, you know. He says, you know what? God's got you. God's got you. God, gives, God is giving you grace. His transformative grace everlasting abounds. It, it, it should propel you. It, it propels us to change. So what do we do? Well, James gives us five prescriptions, that, that fifth word, right? James gives us five prescriptions, you can write these down too, that we need to do, and it's in verses 7 through 10. Y'all check it out. The first prescription is this. Submit yourselves to God. James 4, 7, it says that. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. In other words, if there's anything in your life right now that you know you're willingly going against God's will, he's saying the first thing you need to do, <laughs> the first thing you need to do, get back on track, is just submit yourself to God. Get over yourself. It's not about you. Submit yourselves to God. The God that is literally in control of your heart beating right now. The God that made a way for you. The God that gives grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound, right? Save the wretch like me. Submit yourselves to God. The second prescription is this. Resist the devil. Resist is actually a military term. You fight. You fight. If you're being tempted, y'all, run. Run. Yes, yes, it's a matter of the heart. Absolutely. 100%. I'll agree with that until the cows come home. It's a matter of our heart. But y'all, if, if, if you're struggling with porn in the room, and, you know, you're on your smartphone, it's the last thing you do before you go to bed. Like, that's not really smart. That's not walking in wisdom. That's, I wouldn't say that's fighting. You may think it's fighting, but it's, you know, Creed had his gloves up. Your, 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 gloves, your, your hands are laced behind your back. You know, if, if, if you get thirsty a lot and, 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 and alcohol is something you've run to, and you're driving by Buffalo Wild Wings on the way home, and that's a spot that you know you, you know that you've had one too many at times or a few too many. Well, then take a different way home. Yes, it's about our heart, but y'all, we gotta, we have to do, we have to fight. I'm reminded of that one movie. Uh, gosh, what's it called? Fireproof. It's an old. I think it's called Fireproof. But James Cameron, and he actually was battling lust. He's battling porn, and there's this one scene where. Enough's enough. He took his, it was a desktop computer, took it out in the back and took a bat to it and beat it to pieces. Fight. I'm talking about contextual things, but what about your pride? You know? Um, we could talk about a lot of things, but we, we have to fight, y'all. Resist the enemy. I'm reminded of Joseph, you know, um, his boss's wife in the Old Testament, Potiphar's wife was tempting him like crazy, and he fled, man, ran. 
Ran so hard, clothes were left. <laughs> like, ran out of his clothes. Like, ran away. Y'all, Jesus is better. Fight, resist the enemy. Second prescription. Third prescription, draw near. I love this one. James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen. Amen. We have a close and intimate God. If you want to get back on track, James is saying draw near to God. Draw near to God. Cultivate time with God. Don't reverse it, though. Don't reverse it. Don't turn it upside down. What it doesn't say, like some of you may think, God, draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. That is exactly opposite what it says. Try that in marriage. Nope. I'm going to serve. I'm going I'm to draw, draw near to my wife because I love her. She, you know, she's everything to me. And, amen, she draws near and vice versa. Draw near to God. Andrew Murray, a Christian writer, he said it this way, what a man is on his knees before God, that's what he is and nothing else. Love that. What a man or a woman on their knees before God, that's what he or she is and nothing else. Everlast, you've got nothing better to do than to draw near to God. Think about it. You've got nothing better to do than to draw near to God. Amen? The fourth prescription James gives us is found in the second half of verse 8. Cleanse. James 4, verses 8. It says this, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Then he says, take your, then he says, verse 9, take your sin seriously. Take it seriously. Uh, check out verse 9. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. <laughs> so what James, y'all, is not saying uh, is that we should just go around feeling ashamed and guilty, you know, like this, this spiritual Eeyore. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's simply saying, Take sin seriously because God takes sin seriously. Anything that breaks God's heart should break your heart. You know, like, are you broken over your sin? That's a, y'all, that's a beautiful prayer to pray. It's a beautiful, and your quiet time with the Lord, when no one's looking, when you pray, God, would you, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? Love that. That's a lyric of a, of a great worship song. It's a great, God, would, would you help me to be broken over sin? And finally, James gives us our fifth and final prescription. Humble yourself. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Y'all, the way up is down. If you want to have God's grace in your life, if you, want to, if you want God to prosper you, and if you want God to pour out his favor over you, walk in humility. He loves humility because he's the epitome of humility. Again, my wife shared and spoke on this last week, did such an excellent job on walking what humility looks, walking through what humility looks like. Go check out that last week's sermon. But y'all, pride is the beginning to sin, and humility is the beginning of salvation. Let me say that again. Pride is the beginning to sin. Humility, I would say, is the beginning of salvation. I like to say it this way. Uh, pride is blinding. Humility is seeing. 
It's a short little thing. Pride is blinding. Humility is seeing. So Everlast, be, I want y'all, listen, y'all, be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged tonight. Even though we have all, a, a whole lot of problems. James definitely laid it out. Sorry. Just true. You know, <laughs> we have a lot of problems. God, y'all, has given us grace. His grace abounds. He has given us grace. And James, y'all, he lets us know exactly how uh, to not only uh, get our life back on track, but to, he helps us, you know, to know on how to keep our lives on track with the will of God uh, for the glory of God. To reiterate, y'all, the more you enjoy Jesus, the more you don't enjoy sin. Everlast, uh, seriously, let, <laughs> let, let, let's make sure our, our passions are God-focused and not self-focused. Amen? Let's pray.